This is the EMG Podcast Spotlight Interview with your host, Tom Gambuzo. It always seems to be that finding interesting stories about how people came into their current stage of life easily surface in topics of conversation, whether that be a professional line of work, education, or even relationships. See, what you may not know about Austin is that he is the definition of a brainiac. Smart, witty, and mature beyond his years, Austin definitely does not fall short of the interesting factor. As an engineer by day, or as he explains it, basically a rocket scientist, he has a ton of responsibility on his plate every day. And he didn't enter the music world in a traditional way either. So in this episode, I interview EMG event host Austin Okula on how he got his musical start, his professional line of work outside of EMG, family life, and how an unfortunate sports injury led him to the world of DJing high-end private events. All right, everybody, what's up? We're back for another Spotlight interview here today. I am taking Mike Saulpaw's seat. He's usually the one doing this, but uh, we're interviewing one of our event hosts today, so I thought it was uh, uh, my opportunity to just sneak in and and steal this one. So uh, today I am sitting across from my good friend, Austin Okula, one of our event hosts here. Austin, what's up, buddy? Not much, Tommy. How are you? Pretty good. You want to speak a little closer to the microphone there? Let's see. How about now? Oh, he's better now. Look at that. You see that, people? Look at that. My proximity. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that might be a sound drop right there. Ooh. A little proximity. So anyway, uh, the purpose of these, if you haven't uh, listened to one of these in a while, the purpose of these um, spotlight interviews is to showcase our amazing talent that we have here on roster, give you guys a little bit more of a uh, inside scoop of who they are. You know, we have our cool little bios up on our website here, but this is kind of like to flesh some more things out. And I told, uh, I actually told Austin before this episode, these are really podcast episodes. These are more like therapy sessions. So we're going to see where this one takes us. But anyway, I needed some therapy. Yeah, right. That's it. Everybody does. You know, so um, if you have listened to any recent episodes here or the Spotlight interview series, uh, Mike actually usually likes to um, start these off with a, uh, like a set, what we call a soundbite. Mm-hmm. You know, tell us who Austin is in a soundbite. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the lingo. Tell us who Austin is in a nutshell. Give us like a little nutshell of Austin right there. Blonde, blue eyes, and handsome. That's it, man. That's it. Is that what your mom told you to say That's today? That's what my mom told me to say this morning. She goes, oh, you're going to go hang out with Tommy and have an interview? She Make goes, sure. Exactly. I t- called her, gave her the whole remind get down. Him, <laughs> Remind him that you're handsome, okay? No, no, that's you know, through a podcast, you actually can't see what I look like until you, you go to the website. You, know? you so. can't. So make sure you do that. <laughs> make sure you do that. But anyway, so um, that is actually not a lie, though. Uh, <laughs> you know, he is. I, we call him our Ken doll here. He's literally like a reincarnation of, of Ken doll. Um, but about the blonde hair and blue eyes, right? Tell us about your background. Like, where does that come from, dude? Right. So I'm actually 100% Polish. Nice. Uh, do you speak sides. it? I- you can get by? I wish I spoke, you know, more grammatically correct. Uh-huh. Gotcha. But, you know, I can get by. Uh, you know, Bob Cho loves me. Speaking Polish. We go over there, there every Sunday. I have pierogies with her. It's great. Um, but, yeah, so 100% Polish. My education is actually an engineer. Yep. So I went to school for mechanical engineering, minor in business, minor in manufacturing engineering. Um, and, you know, my day job is actually, uh, technically, it's a rocket scientist. 
Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's the so, best way I put it. It's so funny when we uh, when we first met Austin. I mean, I've known you probably right. for what eight eight years now, maybe longer. Years. Yeah, maybe longer. Um, when he first told us he was going into engineering, and it's like you don't really fit the profile <laughs> of like what I would envision an engineer right, right. being. But so you know what? Let's let's table that because yep, I, I do want to I do want to touch up on that because I think it's obviously an important part of your life, and I want to mm-hmm. highlight that a little bit more in more right, detail. Right. right. So w- let's start at like the 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 beginning. Right. Austin comes into the world. What's like your up bringing like, you know, where'd you live? Uh, so I grew up in Rutherford. Parents, um, siblings. I was originally from Queens. That's where my parents had lived. Uh, really? Right. So I was born in Maspeth, Queens. I learned something new today. Yeah. Did not know that. Right. St. Joe's Hospital. Unfortunately, no longer there. Uh, they got shut down. It was, you know, Hackensack Meridian and everybody, all the new hospitals yep, kind yep. of got brought up. Um, so I was born there, lived there for a year, moved over to Rutherford. From there, I lived in Rutherford my entire life. You know, a great small town. It's just one square mile town. Yep. Um, so you, unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you like to see it, you kind of know everybody. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's true. Good, bad, and different. You know, it was nice having you know a small, nice, tight knit group of friends um, growing up, and we're we're actually still friends to this day. Um, then from there, I got to Rutherford High School. One thing kind of led to another. I unfortunately tore my ACL uh, playing soccer. Took a year off to play. Uh, took a year off from playing football because I had too many concussions. Um, so <laughs> that kind of tells you a little bit about myself as well. And you build stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. I said, and he um, builds stuff. Stuff, stuff, right. <laughs> um, so I tore my ACL, and that kind of led me into the music industry. I was playing saxophone at the time, played a little bit of piano, um, kind of tabled it for a while because, you know, sports and everything were so important to me. And then once I tore my ACL, kind of things never really bounced back the way I'd initially hoped for them to. Uh, but I think that was also because of what I was doing uh, during the time of my rehab. You know, I got, took up music, got into the DJing side, I started working with a small company, and so I found so much passion in it that I was like, well, am I really going to go back to sports where I know I'm not going to become a D1 athlete yeah. or I can start building a brand, building a business and kind of building just a new kind of side hustle. But now it's not a side hustle anymore. It's, you know, yeah, now, something look, really important to me. Looking back on it, um, you know, for me, I was an athlete growing up right. too. You listen yep. to any of my stuff. I, I have a big athletic background. So something, I mean, what year was that? Junior year? Sophomore year? That was jun- uh, sophomore year. Going into junior year? Going into junior year. All right. So like, for someone like me who was so heavily involved in sports, like that would have been devastating yeah. to me. Yep. How did, how did you like mentally get oh, through that? Dude, I was a mess. But <laughs> 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 what had happened, I, so unfortunately um, I'm a big snowboarder as well. So yep. huge snowboard out West every year. We do ski trip with the guys. It's awesome. But I had hyperextended my ACL without knowing it um, that previous ski season. Then I did it again, playing baseball, and I was like, all right, finally, let me slow down. I took uh, the summer off. I didn't play summer ball. I kind of rehabbed my knee and then made the decision of playing soccer instead of, because I had good hands, so they wanted me to play goalie. So yep. why not? Um, you know, because it was just much more cardio than actually taking big hits and everything. Um, unfortunately, the hits come from the ground sometimes, yeah. where they're divots and you take a misstep, you know, gap in anybody, but... Um, you know, Wait, this was a non-contact. This ACL? was a non-contact ACL tear. <laughs> Oops! Whoa, man, cat's out of the bag. Cat's out of the bag. It would have yeah. been a way cooler story. To be like, dude, I got sandwiched by two helmets at one time. You no, know? you know what I tell girls? I was at my grandmother's house. There was a cat in a tree. <laughs> the little old lady was crying because so you, you know, tried to save her. So I saved the cat, but the branch 
snapped. And I saved the cat though, but I landed on my knee and buckled my knee. And disclaimer: Austin did not engineer the tree. That's why it broke. Okay, <laughs> that's that's why it broke. All right. So you have you have this uh, athletic background. You you unfortunately suffered this um, right. traumatic injury. So that leads you into music. Right. So what, what did you, you said you picked up sax first, right? So I was playing saxophone and piano. Well, start off with saxophone in, in middle school. Um, slowly picked up piano cause you know, chords, keys, yeah, very sure. similar in nature. Um, and piano is just one of those. I love between the saxophone and the piano. You can't play a sexier instrument. Saxophone first, piano. Yeah, I agree. A little less, but Still, I wish I could play just piano. as sexy. Yeah, piano is nice. Right, you, you get Michael Bublé on a piano, and you're like, oh my, I don't ah, care if you're it. if you're a girl, or you're a guy. Everybody melts. Everybody melts. Everybody melts. Damn you, Bublé. <laughs> yep. Damn it. Too good. Too good of a guy. <laughs> uh, but so yeah, I was I was a little depressed for a little while, and then mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, I got to do because I couldn't. My father was a, an electrician and a general contractor, mm-hmm. um, so I couldn't really do anything on the job sites with him. So I'm like, what else can I do? My mom's like, well, you know, I have this DJ connection. You love music. You love interacting with people. You're a people person. Why not give him a call, reach out? So actually turned out um, her friend was having a party the following week and he was there and I went up, introduced myself and kind of one thing led to another. I had great conversations and following week he calls me. He's like, hey, you want to you come hang out? Yeah. And it, that's what it was. It wasn't working to me. It was hanging out because, um, you know, I was involved in the party from the initial conception to, you know, breaking everything down. Yeah, I mean, with my knee and everything, it wasn't ideal to be carrying, you know, such heavy equipment, which she was cool about. Um, but just mixing the transition, you know, the emceeing, interacting with the guests, just seeing a packed dance floor, having a good time. I was just, I was just, so it was so sought after for me. I'm like, this is awesome. I really want to get involved in this. Yeah. And then, Kept on doing, and here we are. I think that's what happens pretty much with every DJ. Right. I mean, except for, I think my story is a little different. So I want to ask you, though. So this is still like 16, 17, like right around that yeah, age? Yeah, I, I was 17 because I was cleared to work right around, uh, well, cleared to move, technically, right around my birthday, which gotcha. is in February. So the winter gigs kind of, they weren't frequent, but they were enough to keep me busy and get me really, you know, just excited about it. Yeah. But I'm, so my, my point is, and why I wanted to bring it up is because I feel like a lot of DJs that I meet get that, er, what I would call an early start. Oh yeah. Right. Course, like 16, 17, everybody 15. you talk to. Yep. I didn't have that. I didn't start until I was like out of college, like yeah, 22, but, 23. Yeah, you're the best one here. So come on. Ooh, don't tell Brian. Ooh. <laughs> anyway. Super set coming at you. <laughs> He's coined that. He's he, I think he has a trademark. He should, if he doesn't, then no, but I'm, I'm always interested to know like what, because I'll never have, I'll never have that experience, right? So, like, what was it like oh, it was starting just, that early? Like, what, what? I'm sure you were just like a sponge at that point, oh, right? Like, what were some of the things I was watching? You were all up? the transitions, the music selection, and being able to read a crowd, which I thought was the most important thing. But at the end of the day, just the energy that different types of people brought to the table as well, and yeah. how you interact with those people to make sure that you keep a consistent energy or vibe throughout the entire night, which I thought was the most important. I think that. Um, speaks volumes in terms of, you know, my music selection is at, at events. Um, and just the music that I listen to as well, uh, because I'm not the type of person that's just going to listen to one genre of music. Even, you know, I, in the car, I listen to alternative rock. Then the yeah. next song will be like some deep house song. It depends and then from there, it'll in. be disco. Like, and yeah. I love disco. Disco is awesome. You Me can too, never, man. Yeah, can I agree, never I agree with disco. you on that. Yep. Um, But I, I think that was what I really took on at an early stage. You know, like, listen, the parties are great. You know, having everybody there, you're, you're working the night scene, the nightlife scene. So, you know, that's always a big enticement for you, you know, being around all of that. But for me, it was just the excitement of, of 
transitioning, DJing, MCing, how it all kind of came together. And this is going to sound a, a bit a bit self-centered, but how you were so involved in that process as well. Right, and you know? being directly responsible for right, it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think we all, as, you know, as DJs, people that um, are heavily involved in the success of the party. Right. By perceptions of many, right? Mm-hmm. Our own perception, just because we're biased. And from the guest perspective, too. I mean, there's there's a lot of times where uh, clients will come to us and be like, well, need good music. I mean, that's like, you know, we of can course, have, right. we got to have good food and good music. Those are mm-hmm. usually like the top two things, right? And it it's funny, like, I feel like that's atypical for a 16-year-old kid to, to pick up on. So I, I think you were like, wise beyond your years at that point. But so let's, let's flesh that out a little bit, right? You get into DJing about 16, right? In your mid teens. And now you're what? 26, 25, 20. Damn it. Right. 25. Man, I'm old. (laughs) Anyway, where's the soundbite? Where's the soundbite? Yahweh. Wowie. (laughs) 25. That was Maddie G by the way. Um, so now you, you have a decent amount of, you have essentially almost a decade under your right. belt, right? Yep. So what about when you first started and what you like now, what are some things that maybe have changed and maybe some things that have remained consistent? So I think the, the biggest thing that I really, I'm happy that changed, right? It's just how you grow with people. Um, times change, you know, you're not playing the same music, you're not doing the same yeah, let's say bouquet garter situations like that, but how as an individual, you know exactly what the person wants before they want it. Yeah. Which, you know, we've always got to be one step ahead and being be the fact that, you know, a predominant part of the business is, you know, the wedding industry, right? Sure, yeah. So, you know, you follow a certain timeline and understanding that you kind of have a better understanding of what needs to happen next and when you need to hit certain things to make sure that the flow of events there's a certain cadence right, to it. Right, yeah. the cadence is followed and everybody is... In, so you don't feel like you have a low or it's just too much all at once. Yeah. And I think that um, that's definitely progressed very well. Um, you know, and, and I'd say maybe like the last five years uh, because, you know, the size of, of the events got larger, um, the more involvement from the crowd or from the bridal party, et cetera, you know, more special announcements, et cetera. Um, I think that is really kind of what helped leverage me to where I am now. Sure. Yeah. And you know, I, it, I, I have probably just about the same amount of time, even though I didn't get my, right, of my course. start, yep. you know, and I would totally agree with you. Um, I'm actually happy to see those formalities change and, oh, thank God. and give, uh, it, it gives clients a little bit more opportunity to be creative, of right? Course. It's like, listen, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's your wedding. You know, yeah. you want it, you want to have all the little nuances, whatever you want to call them, be particular to you, but then there are certain instances where you want, you know, that, that more traditional vibe, which is totally okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I do appreciate, you know, the more bride and groom involvement and in the planning process and understanding exactly what they want when they want it, uh, because now it's personal to you. And you being responsible for it is, is definitely attractive to you. So I th- I'm, I'm going to shift gears yep. because I think that sentiment speaks to your, your character mm-hmm. and not that, because I, I think, You'd be hard pressed to find somebody that's in our business, in our position, that of course. doesn't feel that way. Yep. So I want to I want to flesh out your and talk about your um, your engineering background because I think a lot of people that are going to listen to this episode probably don't realize how much overlap between the two industries that there are. At least what you can take from 
your engineering experience right. and translate it into music. So I'm going to try, like, I want to tie those two together. Sounds so good. why don't you give us some background on, okay, now we're, we're into college, we're post-college. Like, did you know you wanted to go into engineering right away, like after high school? Yeah. So growing up, um, I was always into tinkering, whether it be, you know, Legos or just taking apart like remote control cars. Like I built a hovercraft out of some old parts that I had, you know, that a remote control car that no big deal people. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. You know, just hovering around the living room, (laughs) just, you know, floating aimlessly. Take, (laughs) you take a leaf blower, you know, certain stuff like that, where I was always kind of putzing around. And, and I I think that is a testament of, you know, what my parents had instilled in me as well. Um, But leave that aside. I was always tinkering and I, I always knew, you know, going through school, I was good at English, all the the lit history. I was good. I, you know, I was a very good student, but where I really excelled was all the sciences. And specifically when I had gotten into high school, um, there was an engineering course where it wasn't so much as understanding the actual engineering per se, Mm -hmm. but taking, you know, different principles and how you can apply them. Like take a, take a bridge and build it out of toothpicks or popsicle sticks, right? Mm -hmm. What's the best concept? And you do it by testing. So you're hands-on. And, and I think that was the, the sexiest part of it is being hands-on, taking you know, all the education, the prior years of experience that you have, and then being able to reapply it in different ways by you know, using your hands. And I think for me, after I realized I could definitely do that you know, in college and through, as a career, I was sold. Yeah. Now, do you think there's any correlation between how you feel about being in uh, direct relation with the success of a party on the music side of things versus an engineering project, right? So say like I task you with, all right, Austin, go build this bridge, right? And you're the quarterback of it. And I I feel like even though it's two very different things, Mm -hmm. have you ever reflected on the fact that maybe that's just your character makeup and you apply that to whatever you, 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 you know, you put your mind to? Right. So, I mean, everybody knows the saying, you don't do anything half blank, right? Asked. Um, we can say that. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um, so, <laughs> you don't, have, yeah, go ahead. You don't do anything half assed. <laughs> um, and again, you know, that was my parents being the fact that, you know, both of them came over from Poland, you know, at a, they were much younger uh, when they had come over. But, you know, having that Eastern European mentality, I think, really conveyed the, that message to me and, and the upbringing that I had. So, I have to give my parents a shout out. I wouldn't be who I am without them. But at the end of the day, you know, back to your point, the the ability to take you know a project and let's let's you know kind of break things down right you take a party it's a small project right you have you know a schedule of events that you have to maintain a timeline you know but then you have the the peaks of energy and you know a project you're not going to have everything go well you know and I'm not saying that what exactly go well don't get me wrong yeah no I, I get but what you, you, mean. you have you know ups and downs right so during the course of event you know. You may have your introductions, which are high energy. Everybody's all excited. Then from there, you'll go into your speeches, still high energy, but everybody's sitting down now. So it kind of becomes a bit of a lull, right? And then from there, you go into your salad course. Then guess what? Dance floor opens, energy starts back up again, and you get into the peak of the event. Drop down. So similar nature to, to a project. You know, Everything, Nothing's going to go as you initially seem or expect it to. Um, and that's also part of engineering. You're, it's, it's The term engineering um, is ultimately figuring things out as you go. Um, so what that means for me and how I can best correlate it together is you always got to be on your toes. You know, you never know what's mm-hmm. going to happen. And if you're, if you have a good team around you, 
there's nothing you can't accomplish. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And it's also, I, I like the, the language of uh, peripheral vision, mm-hmm. right? You need to have all the things in place, um, or at least keeping in mind of like what can be on the periphery and not just straight ahead of you, right? right not course. just the can't task at hand vision. because right. can't have tunnel vision. There are other things that come up. So I, I think there's there's like this thing. It's this unspoken. I don't know X factor. I mean, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, weddings are a high intensity. Can of be course. you know yep. they're they're a super special day. They're you know engineering projects can be the same thing depending on who your client is and who you're working of for. I see you as the type of person with your, this crossbreed, right? And your your quarterbacking mm-hmm. uh, abilities of just saying like, "Hey, if there's a problem to be solved, I want that to be in my hands," right? Right. There's there's like it's like the Michael Jordan mentality. I don't know if you've ever seen the short. Anybody that has absolutely s- seen absolutely Michael Jordan, like his one thing: if there's two seconds left on the clock and you, the there's ball. a chance, give give me the, the ball. hands are going in his hand. You know, the ball's going in his hands, yep. and it's kind of just like this MJ concept where. Right, you just you feel more comfortable, even though the the pressure might be on. Yep. I feel much more comfortable oh, knowing that I'm. Yeah. I love pressure. At the end of the day, I'm like, wow, that was a lot, but I love it in the moment. Do you ever look back on it and say, you know, do you? Oh, plenty of times. It, plenty of times. No, but like reflect on the fact that uh, you've been directly responsible for this. Because let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Right, you get done with a project, or you get done with a, a wedding or yep. or an event. Right. It doesn't really hit me right away no. that, you know, all the smiles that just left this party yep. who just had an amazing time that, you know, I was I was a part of that. You know, right. so there's like this sense that I think we're terrible at reflecting on that mm-hmm. and giving ourselves what, credit for it. But what I will say um, is personally, I mean, there are two times where, you know, the depreciation is felt. And I think, you know, as you're walking out or packing up and, you know, the guests are leaving. Yeah. The bride and groom, I... Love the appreciation. You typically, we'll get you know a thank you note or some kind. Or hand, I love handwritten notes, by the way. I know Tommy does as well. I, I do too. Yeah, all over his Hell Instagram. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, but love those. But you know, we're there for everybody, not just the bride and groom, right? And yep. as the guests are leaving, and they say you know a little thank you. I'm like, oh, but thank you for that song or etc. That I'm like, that that's how I know when I did a really good job. Yeah. Are there any? special moments that, and it doesn't have to be specific, Mm -hmm. but you know, there could be highlight moments of a, of a wedding or an event or, um, you know, cause I, I know the answer to that, that sticks out for me. Like I have a goal in mind for every client that I work with. Like what, what is that one thing? I, let me set this up a little bit better. (laughs) I've been listening to a podcast. If I don't know if you heard, it's called the pitch. Okay. Have you ever heard of it? Yes, I have. Okay. So it's basically, for those of you who don't know, it's, Shark Tank for podcasts. Yep. That's exactly. Founders come in, they pitch uh, VC investors, and they gotta you know try to raise capital for their their uh, their businesses. Right. The investors have a code word every episode, mm-hmm. and one of the episodes I listen to. So like when the when the conversation starts going sideways, the one one investor will bring it up to alert all the other investors to say like, okay, hey, it's time to either wrap this up or it's time to say, are we in or are we out? Yeah, right? get it back on track. From a from a, an event standpoint, right? What's like? And this question was asked: What's your hair on fire burning question? Is the speech going to be good or bad? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, seriously, uh, I've, you do so many. You know, that's where you get the really personal, intimate know how of the bride and groom. I mean, 
during you know the planning process, we do our best to get to know everybody. We want to create a friendship. We want to create a bond. We're not just there for you know the the four hours or the six hours of the reception, whatever have you. We're there through the planning process. We want to make sure that we get to know you guys and hit every single little nail perfect to you guys, particular. But the speeches are always one of those things that just throw you for a loop, and you're like, "No way! No, I didn't know that about that." Right? Exactly. Yeah, that's some cool yeah. details. We're like, uh-huh. "Ooh, what?" Yep. That was yeah, my so, favorite. Uh, we actually, Maddie and I have a podcast on that. Um, you can go listen to it, how to give a good wedding speech. Uh, so yeah, that's a, so one of the things I look forward to is like the, the, the moment of, if I can throw on a song that they didn't tell me about mm-hmm. and it's like a head turner and be like, ah, you got me, yep. you know, in a good way. Right. Yeah. Um, so those are, those are some really, that's a good one, really though. cool things. Um, all right. So let me, let me tie this together. Just to recap. Mm-hmm. So you, you had a traumatic athletic experience, right? Right. Led you into music. Yep. You've now are on this uh, path of rocket science. Somehow. What we would call. Somehow. <laughs> and you're still crossbreeding between your uh, professional engineering background and your uh, full-time music background. Right. Right. What is it about the two that just keeps you passionate and waking up every day? So there's two things about each of them or one thing about each of them that is sets the other apart from their other. That's not, a, that doesn't make sense. Uh, can we, uh, wow. Can, can we, can we cut that out? I'm going to call out the pink elephant in the room. <laughs> that was it. People. That, my, my face is also pink right now. <laughs> uh, but like I said, there, there, there's two things in total. <laughs> Hit the people with it. Let's hear it. So, Engineering kind of is one of those things where you have to think so far outside of the box that you almost sometimes become an introvert, right? Mm-hmm. And, and most people think of engineers as introverts. They're like, oh, well, you know, they're going to go behind their computer or sit on a drafting table. I know that's a little dated, but sit behind a computer and just get it all done. And don't get me wrong, I, I do that at times, but you know, the, the beauty of the whole wedding industry, entertainment industry allows me to be a huge extrovert, which I really am. Uh, but I, there are certain days where I'm an introvert, certain days where I'm an extrovert. And yeah. you know, having that balance in life, I think is really important because you have to have time for yourself. Don't get me wrong. You have yeah, to have absolutely. time to buckle down and, and get stuff done. Stuff. Um, done. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, there are also times where, you know, you want to just be a butterfly and a social butterfly and just yeah. hang out with everybody. And for me, I think that's, you know, the greatest accomplishment or the greatest thing in general about the two. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you say that because I think out of, out of everybody here, you and I are the most alike, like personality wise. Right. right. And For I sure. think that has a lot to do with, um, our parents mm-hmm. and because your mom reminds me of a lot of mine and the <laughs> exactly, way that she exactly, you know, yep. will it just like stays on your ass and yep. just, you know, is, is just a good hearted woman and, mm-hmm. and your dad's like this big burly dude. And it's just like, Austin, you, you gotta know? get it done. Just yeah. Do get it. it done. Yeah. So don't I, ask for help. Just do it. I think, you know, it, I totally, I totally agree with that, but I, I want to highlight so Cause you said something earlier about specifically about your parents that, I think what is, has gotten you to the point today, they have, you know, this, this, uh, transplant or, um, you know, um, uh, old world mentality. Old world mentality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So 
how do you think, are you close to your parents? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Like they're like your world. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I would hope everybody's parents are like that for them. You I'll know? tell you what, if you ever have a chance to meet Austin's parents, they are super <laughs> cool people, especially mom. Like yeah, you will literally awesome. have a conversation with her for hours with the, and lose track of time. Well, she'll also mainly loses track of time on a regular basis. So that's the reason. <laughs> that's fine. That is totally fine. She's a really good cook too. Yep. Awesome. The awesome best. cook. So what do you attribute to your your parents and how you kind of operate on your, on your, um, you know, on the daily. So first thing, you know, that we just talked about actually is the, the social butterfly. You always got to be a people person, just talking, just getting to know one another. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the end of the day, we're all humans and we're here for everybody thinks multiple different things, but we're there to build a memory with one another. You know, some would call legacy in certain applications, but at the end of the day, you just got to be a good person. And that's, I think what, uh, my mom has instilled in me, and that's yeah. I think why you know I, I go my I go out of my way so much for so many of my friends. Where you know if something goes wrong, I'm the first one there. If they need advice, I'm usually the first one they call. You know, but again, that just speaks volumes. To my mom, uh, but then on the other side, my father, who's you know he, he's a hard worker. Um, he works probably too much for his own good. Yep. Um, but I, that's definitely where I get my hard work and my determination, my dedication, my motivation whatever adjective you want to use that is positive, I typically get it from my dad when it comes to hardworking and just building something for yourself. Uh, you know, they, like I said, they came from Queens, my mother from Jersey City, but she came over from Poland when she was five as yep. a child and didn't have much. You had to learn the language, you know, her and her mother were best friends. Um, and I think that, you know, just speaks, shows how much or how important, you know, just family is and that you always have each other's back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it's it's funny because I, I you don't realize like how much you are like your parents. I oh. think until you get older. Because, oh, of course. Yeah, right? absolutely. When you're, yep. when you're mid-teen, you're like, I'm nothing like my parents. I don't want to be like them. And, it's, and then looking back on it, you're like, oh, crap. I'm either, I'm, I'm like the perfect makeup of both of them and I got both I, of their <laughs> uh, really good qualities, you know? Yep. And, you know, having that, I think is super important and, re- and reflecting on that and putting it into your daily lifestyle Agreed. and applying it to Agreed. your professional career, your friendships, your, uh, your family members, other relationships you might mm-hmm. have, um, just speaks volumes of the, the person you are and people that do that yep. is, is an amazing thing. So I have, all right, so let's, let's shift gears mm-hmm. one more time a little bit. Um, we don't have to go all too far into the, into the family stuff. So I do want to, round this out with more, I don't know, macro level stuff. Um, you know, where you see yourself in five years kind of question. So what is it right now in this moment that you're working on that you're excited about? And what, what is something right now you're most excited about to either change or get better at? All right. So we'll take it in two parts, right? So right now, um, what I'm excited about for the future, you know, five years, um, <clears throat> excuse me, is first off, you know, the engineering side, you know, is very important. I'm, I'm building a career there. So that's more of a, a slow progression. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, you know, being the fact that I'm only 25, you know, I've had a couple of promotions and so on and so forth, which is great. Sure. Um, but, you know, they're within certain companies, you know, you can only go so far. Um, so now I'm at the point where I'm, you know, starting to think about those types of transitions and understand, you know, what really is the best route for me. Um, and you know, everybody's been there. You have to, you know, make those hard choices sometimes, but 
you know, the, the choice of understanding your career, I think is really important for me right now. And the five-year goal, which ultimately I'd like to become, you know, some type of director in an aerospace company because that's, you know, the future right now, uh, whether it's, you know, some type of renewable energy, uh, getting in that direction or the next frontier, which is, you know, space. And there's a lot of money in it, which is also wonderful, but yeah. that's the, that realistically, you know, in terms of career side, but then what I'm also really excited about is, you know, the, the industry, the entertainment industry and seeing where it's going. Uh, because like we talked about earlier, there are so many things that are changing, you know, in terms of, you know, just take weddings, for example, right? You know, the, the more traditional aspects are kind of segmenting out or they're flowing out where, you know, now you're taking more of the, you know, let's say somebody loves like cornhole or something like that, right? Yeah. When would you think that you would have cornhole hey, boards, games at you know, a wedding? At a wedding? Like, yeah. like that, but that's awesome because I'm so excited for where the industry is going and I'm happy to be a part of that and, you know, just growing with EMG as well. So between those two things, I think that's what I'm really excited about. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So you, you've brought up a couple of times the, um, the, the, the change in right. the industry. You yep. know, I, I think there's, there's always a lot of moving parts, but of course. you know, how people go about booking their vendors or, um, even the, the, I, I see a shift in, in venue type. It's oh, not course, all yeah. just the necessarily like grand ballroom style. I see a lot of wineries Rustic, and farms yeah, and, you awesome. know, private residences. Big barns, right. Yeah. Like, so I'm, I'm excited for that because I think it just gives more people options, mm-hmm. um, to do something that reflects, who they are. Personalization, right? right? Yeah. Really important. All right. Awesome. Well, I, uh, Austin, I, I thank you for joining me today. I think, um, happy to I, be here. I think this has been really good. Uh, we end with quick questions though. Can I put you on the spot for some quick questions? Can I say no? <laughs> no, no, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> we have a group for this. You ready? Yep. Okay. These are off the top of the dome. I did not prep for this. Not a problem. Okay. Best questions. EMG or any other company? AMG, duh. Nice. Wendy's or McDonald's? Wendy's. Car or truck? Truck. Favorite color? Blue. Me too. Oh my God, are we brothers? I don't know. Did we just become best <laughs> friends? Are we going to do karate? Wait, hold on, hold on. Are we going to do karate right now? Not if you put something on my drum set. I'm not going to put that through that. Okay. Back in. Pens or pencils? Pens. Oh, you're an outdoorsy guy. Ready for this one? Ocean or lake? Lake. Really? Lake. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. I grew, you, up, I grew up on a lake. You got any good salmon laying around? Lake? Sa- he, we, tuna. Austin does I some got, salmon fishing. I got tuna now. You got tuna now? We, we got rid of the salmon. Salmon's gone. That's a winter thing. Send some right now. <laughs> anyway. Last one. Tommy. That's that the was answer. the answer. That was correct. Yeah, yes. Good. Okay. And with that, we're going to end. We're going to end on a high note, people. Okay. Um, anyway, Austin, thank you for joining us today. That was my alarm. And, um, it's bedtime. He's getting a little older, guys. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> anyway, people, thank you for joining us on this uh, special edition, this spotlight interview. This was event host Austin Okula. Austin, thank you for joining us, man. Thank you for being a great host. Uh, we'll see if Saul Paul agrees with that. Well, Saul Paul's always the biggest critic of them all, right? Yeah. But the best. That's all right. All right, guys. (laughs) Anyway, next time we'll catch you. We love you. Later. Ciao. You can find us at elegantmusicgroup.com or on Instagram at elegantmusicgroup.com.